I have something I want to tell you about t- tonight's episode. Oh, <laughs> it's not bad. Well, I, I was the way research- you started. That I was researching bad. it, and the place where the crime t- starts is a place called the Tea Off Bar in Winnipeg, okay. and I wanted to make sure it was still open. So I called, and the woman answered the phone, and she said, what number are you trying to reach? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to reach the tee-off bar. And she said, okay, well, it's called the Windy Bar. And I'm like, oh, okay, can I get the number? She's like, this is the Windy Bar. I'm like, oh, um, okay, what time do you close? And she said, 3 a.m., and I said, I'll see you in a bit, because I felt so foolish. Oh, good Lord. Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Kevin. This is good company in the car. Kevin, please describe for me and for the good company and the car uh, listeners, why did you actually call it? Because I wanted to make sure it was still there, if it was still called the tee-off bar, if it was just, I wanted to just, I was just curious you to see if it was still there. I guess my question to- 33 the, years later. You couldn't obtain that information online? You, I, I did, They didn't have a website, they just had a phone number. And okay. I call, I just called it, I was in there, it's free, why not? Okay, yeah. it was free to call Canada? Yes. I have, it, I have. Oops, sorry. I have free unlimited a, calling. Nope. To Canada. Canada's free. Oh. Can, all of North America's free. I. I don't. Wow. I get charged for anything. I got people I can call in Canada. No. Yeah. And she had a Canadian accent and everything. <laughs> it was hey. great. It was worth it. That's kind of funny. So. Um, so that's uh, not. Well, that's not funny that it's. You know, uh, yeah. But no. You, Canadian you know, accents yeah, are yeah, funny. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's a, Kevin just call a random number. Yeah. You do well, that. She, the way she answers the phone it was so weird, and I'm like, so is this? What's the Windy Bar's phone number? It's like. This is the Windy Bar. I'm like, oh, uh, what time do you call? She saw an American number. Like, you're obviously calling yeah, yeah, the wrong yeah. place. I don't know. So it is funny. So good company in the car, listeners. Um, whereas I am one, if I can try to find the information online, I will try to find the information yeah. online. Kevin will go, hey, Siri, call the Windy Bar in Winnipeg, Canada, just to see if it will do it. I don't do that all the time. But I thought for that one it would be fun. And I was just assuming, What? I don't. Why are you looking at I me like that? I don't do that all the time. Oh, uh, w- wait a no, minute, I, Mr. I don't, McMahon. No, 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 no. I don't constantly Siri call this or Siri do that. You, no, I'm not saying constantly, but you, and I'm not even, oh, you're missing the point of this. What is the point? Is the target open? I'll call. He will call. Kevin will call. Kevin is old school. He will well, still I, dial the telephone and call. No, someplace. no, no. I, if it was target, target. You what time does it? Do, I will. Now, call, we I call Harris about, Teeter because I'll be like Harris. We are gonna have an argument. I, okay, I'm in. You call places all I, the time. This is me. Hi, Harris Teeter. Can I get the seafood department? It says you have snow crab on sale today. Do you have any in? Oh, you don't. You're already sold out? Okay, thanks. That's what I do. I'm not like, Harris, I, okay, I would be like, hey, Siri, what time does Harris Teeter close? You, uh, you oh, are, you here, are, here comes it. No, you are <laughs> oversimplifying. just came to life to tell me. <laughs> you are oversimplifying this. You will, co- my, po- oh, good Lord. You are, see, your phone knows you. Uh, you are oversimplifying my statement. Okay. My statement is, is, if, Hey, is such and such open today? Yeah. I will go online and see. Okay. You will just call the place. Okay. Now, you have to agree with that statement. I'm going to agree with that statement because you're not going to let us record the rest of the podcast until I do. <laughs> you don't agree with that statement. I don't statement. agree with you as strongly as you're saying. I don't. I don't feel like I do that. 
I don't. I. I. But I'm gonna. You. I'm very subjective myself. You my, are. You have a. You. You, Mr. McMahon, do have a disconnect in there somewhere. Yeah. And I'm I, like, I, no. I won't argue have, that. You I won't do argue it that. all the time. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> so for New Year's, we went over to the Eastern Shore. Which we was went to Chesterton. Absolutely lovely. Then we went to the outlet malls. I got some pants. Got and we pants. went to. Then we went to Easton, and we went to the I most expensive little. place in town, the Tidewater Inn, for. Um, Four fried oysters. Extremely expensive fried they oysters. Very, very, very good. And then we went off into the night. We stayed at the St. Michael's Motor Lodge, got it for 85 bucks because I chatted up the lady at the front desk. Uh, then really off into the time. night to the um to the, the, the salty oyster to the uh, Chesapeake Landing for more fried oysters. Wait, wait, and what happened with those fried oysters? So bits of shell. I shell, like fried we call oysters. It Shellgate. Shellgate. <laughs> so uh Chesapeake Landing is a is a large restaurant slash seafood supplier in the St. Michael's area. Yeah. They have a little bar on one side. There's a restaurant. Yeah. You can get all kinds of things. And they shuck the oysters on they site. They the oysters. So because it was a piecemeal day, we weren't actually having a sit-down meal at any point. It was, oh, so when we went to the Tidewater Inn earlier, we got, I think it was Those, Oysters Casino? Yeah, and fried oysters. And Their fried, fried oysters. oysters look pre-made. Now, 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 again, they were delicious. Yeah. Well, they but were there what? were four. Deliciosas. The, no, they were good. Yeah. And the clams and the oysters casino were very fine. very but good. It was over, but it was we were paying really, for the really really overpriced. And yeah. it is a fancy schmancy. And place. we were in the mood, so we were sitting in the bar. It was a completely different thing. Yeah. But however, at uh, uh, Chesapeake Landing, uh-huh. I when we walked in, I'm like, I'm getting a drink and some fried oysters. Yeah. Much and more I, reasonably priced. Much more reasonably priced. There, I think there were six or eight. There was oysters, eight. Six or eight. Okay. And I ordered two orders of the fried oysters because I knew Kevin would want some and I didn't want to share. So. And there was enough shell in those two orders to make a whole nother oyster. <laughs> there was a there was a shell. He's being ridiculous. Well, but I'm there only was exaggerating a, piece a little of bit. Shell. There was a piece of shell in one of the fried oysters that was the size of a dime. Yeah. And now then there that was, is there was, a pretty big. If I don't like raw oysters, I like cooked oysters. Right. Kevin will eat the raw. I don't like them. I love them. So this particular but, place has excellent fried oysters. But, I will I will compliment how good the fried oysters they were, they with were good, the shell pieces in them. You had a pile of shell pieces. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yes, the oysters were delicious, but they got all these pieces of shell in them. And they hurt when you bite into them. And I told the lady... <laughs> The, 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 the waitress, waitress. She and couldn't waitress have given a fuck. C- dismissed it. Well, <laughs> that's how you, it is. You're going to get that with fr- no. No, you're not. No, you don't. And even Lori was like, "I'm about to stop going there because so, I've bitten into too many shells." And I'm like, "I have shucked three million oysters in my lifetime. You don't. Get I know how to shuck one without a bunch of shell." Yeah. yeah. So our friends in St. Michael's that we spent New Year's Eve with, yeah. were all like, "No, there shouldn't be pieces of no. shell in the fried oysters." Yeah. It was bogus. But so then we went back for lunch at Chesapeake Landing on <laughs> New Year's Day oysters. on the way out of town, and I got another order of fried oysters because they're absolutely delicious, and there were bits of shell. Yeah, there them. were. It's, so, it's, got, it's problematic. Chesapeake Landing, you if you're hearing your this, you got to tighten that shit up. There's not supposed to be big shards of shell Because your fried, fried oysters, oysters. are deliciosus. Exactly. <laughs> and I tried to put a yell. I tried to contact. No. There's no way to... They, they're not on Yelp. Yeah. Chesapeake no. Landing's not on Yelp. Yep. So at any rate, 
Yeah. So, but it was well, a good. I love New fried Year's oysters. So please feel free to send your fried oysters <laughs> to Good Company in the Car. No. Okay. Anyway. So, uh, so this this week we are in um, Winnipeg, Canada. It's Winnipeg, Canada. Frantic Files. Canada. <laughs> Forensic Files. Forensic Files. Season four. Season four. Episode four. Episode four. Cement the case. Cement the case. It's Winnipeg, Canada, okay, which is in the central. This, Kevin, I'm uh, stopping you. Yeah. You're gonna have to start all over. I'm oh. gonna stop you right now. Yeah. This is a super weird one it is very weird the it it just you feel sorry you're like wait what 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 yeah this is a particularly weird one and i think it's because the people are so commonplace and i don't mean i'm not trying to be disrespectful they're just very they're just anybody you'd pass on the street and this this weird occurrence happened yeah okay Okay. and go okay winnipeg which is in the central part of the country of canada canada may 19th 1990 and we are at the aforementioned bar, the tea off bar, but we now know it's the windy bar. It's and they the close, windy bar. And they close at 3 a.m. on Fridays. <laughs> and it's a sports bar. Their logo is a hockey stick and a golf club. And apparently hockey. it's a it's a local hangout. Yeah. Like, it's not like a bar bar. It's not like a fancy bar. It's like everybody goes there. There's, you know, it's a bar. It's a hangout. So we meet Shirley and Ed Andronovich. They're at the bar having a few drinks. They live a couple blocks away. Ed decides it's time to leave. Shirley doesn't want to. They get into an argument. And since they're Canadians, I have to believe that if Americans were watching them, it would have gone something like, honey, I think it's time we go home. I want to stay. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, I'll see you in a bit. I think that's a Canadian (laughs) argument. (laughs) That's very funny. We've learned that they've been married for 20 years. They've got three daughters. And Ed was a construction worker. And we get a picture of their home. It's modest. It looks very, very much modest. Winnipeg looks like Norwich to me. I yes. will, I will never go there. But it looks. God bless Canadians. I'm so glad you're up there taking care they of the like attic. That cold. I don't. Uh, but they just. It, you know. If and I know this wasn't shot in May. The reenactment. Right, but right, God, right, I have right. feel like there's snow on the ground in May in Winnipeg. <laughs> anyway, here's Janet. She's one of their daughters. And this was filmed in 2001. So that hairdo. I know when you yeah. first saw her. You rolled your. Like, Oh, the poor thing. Yeah. And what do you call that when they do their hair like that? Is that just, hairspray? Just tea, Gel? Yeah, just tease all the crap. Really. <laughs> and and I, I fear that the back of her head was flat. Like, yeah. The okay. front was done and the back was like, yeah, yeah. She's got a Canadian accent yeah. right off the bat. They went out that night together and just as usual, they went out for a good time. And I guess a few hours later, my dad came home. He was tired. He didn't want to be there anymore. She just wanted to stay, and his friends are there, so she stayed with his friends. So Dorothy eventually makes her way home. Oh, the reenactment Ed doesn't really look like reenactment Ed, but reenactment Dorothy oh, spot yeah. on. She... Good job, Forensic Files. Kevin's good. That's, a, that's a thing with Kevin that the reenactment I love the people They're really like the good at people, it, too. Yeah. Uh, Janet says she hears her mom come in, and she tells... She can tell that she's been drinking. I don't know what that means. I sus- I suspect. Well, I Dorothy can tell you exactly of, what that means. She was loud and bumping into stuff. If you, in your family, with the people that you're around all the time, uh-huh. they make the same noises. Yeah, when they're drunk. And this is something that I notice. You don't ever seem to notice these kind of things. I noticed that. I, uh-huh. Wait, what was that sound? How many times have you been in my house and I've been like, what was that sound? Yeah. And you're like, oh. And you're like, that was you, Agnes. <laughs> you're not paying. Well, it's true. But you you just don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. Whereas like me, uh-huh. if I'm in my house and the house is quiet, oh, the dog got off the sofa. Right. Okay, well, 
they get into so, another polite so argument. The sounds, she, <laughs> she knows the sounds. Mom came in, she heard a disagreement, and, and they, mom left. They started arguing politely. Shirley goes out to cool off. Uh, I don't know anybody who would go out to the Winnipeg night. Maybe in late May, it She's wasn't probably awful. She's probably back to the bar. She's probably headed back to She's the bar. She's probably headed back to the bar. Anyway, she never comes back. And an employee at a nearby high school finds her body. She's naked. She's been assaulted. We get these really graphic autopsy photos. She's been savagely bitten. Bitten. And she has been clobbered over the head with a huge piece of concrete. This is Sergeant Ron Oliver. He is a homicide investigator. It was a very gruesome scene. There was some very senior homicide detectives that were there that were little taken aback of uh, of what was discovered there. Uh, we get another shot of their home in Winnipeg. Again, Norwich. God bless you, Canadians. The police have come to let them know that they have found the wife and mother and that she's been killed. This is Peter Markstein. He is the medical examiner. There was the destruction of the facial features and uh, there was an ob- obvious uh, sexual assault had taken place. So this, this was a, uh, a definite uh, uh, gruesome uh, scene. I've been a prosecutor for 23 years and I have never seen any case with as much brutality to a human body. That second voice was Terry McKean. He was a prosecutor and they get a written statement from Ed And he admits that they argued, but he has no idea what happened to her. And this is kind of ridiculous. They have Ed Oliver, the investigator from earlier, and Bob Marshall, and they're filming them at a firing range for no other reason than to make it, you know, those two are like, you know, Forensic Files would be cool. Why don't you film us honing our shooting skills (laughs) and make us look like badasses? Yeah. So they're at the firing range, and they investigate... they, those two leave the firing range. They go back. They interrogate Ed again. And this time around, he says, yeah, it was me. And they're like, um, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. They said, do you have any idea of who might have done it? He said, yeah, it was me. Right? Well, that is true. But we, along we if if we haven't gotten to this yet, they explain why he thinks he did it. We haven't so, got we're, okay, yeah, we okay, get okay, to okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. So... We hear from one of the prosecutors that says it was compelling because he did have some evidence from the crime scene. For instance, he knew where it was. And I'm like, yeah, the cops came and said, Told we found it. your wife dead over yeah. at the high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So none of that made sense. And they and, and that she'd been hit over the head with a piece of concrete. Yeah, the cops, everything the cops told him, he, the, the prosecutor right. was saying, it made it look fishy. And I'm like, that didn't do it at all. Right. Janet knows his dad didn't. And Janet, again... She heard her mom come in. Mm-hmm. She heard her mom go out. Uh-huh. She didn't hear her dad leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And they. she said they didn't believe her because she was 14 years right, old. because she was 14 years old. Because you know your house. That's what I'm saying. You knew your house. In 916, growing up, in my bedroom on the second floor, I could tell who was in the house and where they were because of the way the house sounded. I know when I was a kid, I could tell my dad's footsteps exactly. from my mom's for sure. So that look, that 14-year-old girl is in her room. Uh-huh. It's, it's only midnight. You know she's still awake. It's a weekend. Yeah. She got nothing better to do. Uh-huh. She heard, oh, mom's, oh, yep. they're fine. Oh, mom left. Okay. All right. And, you know, yep. and, and again, she doesn't think that anything bad's going to happen. It's a small, it's the small setting, small town setting. And I, yeah. of course, under... Nothing other than my own personal whatever opinion. Uh, she was walking back to the bar. Yeah, I think well, that's what she was doing. Yeah, probably. Yep. 
We get our first picture of the actual Ed, and this is an expression that Jack uses. That poor guy looks like he was pulled, pulled through, through a keyhole, keyhole backwards. That is, uh, ooh, he looks like he's pulled through a keyhole backwards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they lock him up due to his confession. So now the cops turn to Dick Monroe. He is a forensic. If we don't say it, everybody has forensic before their title. He's a forensic geologist. part of the drinking game. He works with the cops. And they are trying to match the piece of concrete that they found at the murder scene with chunks of concrete in Ed's trunk. Remember, Ed works construction. His trunk was full of concrete particles. And that was exciting at the outset because you saw all this concrete. But the trick was, can you match the concrete to the block? Can you put that block in his trunk? Because the murder weapon was rough, because it was a broken piece of concrete, you're looking for like a jigsaw puzzle, a piece that would fit onto it. Could you get a physical match? So there isn't, they can't match any of the concrete in his trunk with that. So now they send images of the bite marks to David Sweet in Vancouver, who is a forensic odontologist. We learned that Ed wears upper and lower full sets of dentures. And I know from polygrip commercials <laughs> that they really brag about how you can bite a piece of fruit, but there is no denture, there's no denture poly, whatever, that could hold dentures that could make those bite marks. <laughs> that's, okay, all of that's ridiculous. But the thing with the dentures are there's not going to be any way that they can, I mean, they, like, they could make those bites. You, you, you have the, no, you know, you can make the, bites but they're going to be so specific because they're dentures yeah they're literally dentures well, they're david agrees with a us prefabricated set of teeth exactly no, yeah david agrees with us the question that came up obviously was can artificial teeth in the form of a complete upper and lower denture actually bite hard enough to remove human tissue so the bite marks don't match. At this point, the prosecutors are wondering if they have the actual perpetrator. They swabbed around the bite wounds, and they got saliva samples. Now, this is 1990, and I, DNA is in its infancy, so they apparently don't have that at their disposal. So they're going to analyze this uh, swab to see if they can find out at least the blood type of the person who made the bite marks. This is Philip Hodge. He's a forensic biologist. Forensic. I'm not lying. I know. We had a new technique at our disposal called ELISA, which allowed us to uh, type saliva in the ABO blood typing factors. Mr. Andronovich, being of blood type A, could not have left the B type saliva found on the swabs from the breast, thereby meaning he did not, he could not have been, in my mind, the murderer. The perpetrator has type B blood, and Ed has type A, so he is ruled out. Really? He's got the wrong blood type. Uh -huh. He's got the wrong teeth. teeth patterns. The only thing that they've got going for them in terms of the prosecution Confession. is that he confessed, and he has no idea what he did. Right. So after two months in prison, where I'm assuming Ed dried out for the first time in decades, <laughs> oh That's it's true, he's released on the news. Okay, now here, here before you he's go any released. further, do you remember this at all when he gets released from uh, prison? I absolutely do. He, he comes out and he won't say anything. Do you remember what his t-shirt says? Uh, no, I don't. He's got on a t-shirt and says, this marriage will be interrupted because it's football season. 
Oh, oh, geez, no, that's so kind of a poor coming, choice. He's coming out of prison where he was a where he confessed to murdering uh, his wife. Yeah, and his T-shirt says, "This marriage will be interrupted," and then it shows like you he's, know football players. This would have been, yeah. and, and the bottom of his shirt says, "It's it's because it's, it's football, football season." season. Oh, the Canadian Football League. He they they're they're interviewing him, and he just keeps saying, "I don't want to say anything." Yeah. I, why, do you want to? Do you have anything to say yeah. about you? Aren't you having to be out? I don't want to say anything. And he just wants wanders off with his attorneys. Oh. Feel better today? Tainted. You happy to be outside? Tainted. Here's the prosecutor again, letting us know how bad Ed's drinking problem really was, and that he really didn't have any memory at all of the evening. Andronowicz back at that time had a terrible problem with alcohol. And when the detectives interviewed him, and they asked him such questions as, did you have a fight with your wife last night? He responded and said, well, I might have. And then when they went on and pressed him and said, well, did you hit her? He said, I might have. So now Frantic Files, I'm going to call it that for the <laughs> rest of the time. So Forensic the f- Files helpfully tells us that you probably don't know this term. It's very technical that memory lapses during heavy drinking are called blackouts. I know, yeah. <laughs> memory lapses while drinking are called blackouts. I love that, you know. In terms of his alcohol usage, and apparently if he is this heavy of an alcoholic, uh-huh. this is what uh, uh, I have a friend who's a, uh, who was an, who is an alcoholic who is in recovery, and I said, you know, he's like, you know, there's high-functioning alcoholics. And he goes, you know what that means? What? He goes, they're alcoholics. And I, go, <laughs> and I was like, yes, but. So apparently this man's life has not, at his age uh-huh. of, in his 50s, I'm assuming. I think he's in his 40s, actually. His 40s, okay. His life is not been disrupted because of his drinking he can keep it going he is not drinking during working hours he's not drinking he's not driving Mm -hmm. as he's as we've already learned he walks to and from the bar that he goes to so at this stage in his life his drinking has not caused much of a problem in his life other than massive memory loss so alcohol classically interferes with people memories and a lot of people who have blacked out feel guilty because they're worried that they've done something and they can't remember it and it's very common that's what apparently had happened here and when they come out of the blackout, it's the realization, the recollection, uh, all of a sudden that uh, something bad may well have happened. And it's very common for alcoholics to feel remorse, uh, express guilt, uh, even uh, imagine uh, that they have done a terrible things uh, during the blackout period. So now we have to start the investigation all over again because the guy they had locked up is not the one who did it. So one of the investigators goes to the site of the crime at midnight around the time when it would have happened to see if that will illuminate anything. And literally while he's there, there's an illumination in the distance about 500 feet away. There's a lamp pole. He runs over. He sees two pieces of concrete. They look like those barriers you put in parking lots to stop cars. Parking barriers. And it looks like exactly like the yeah. missing piece from the one that she was hit with this now to just if this wasn't made clear this is a school this is a piece of property that a school sits on yes so this is around the athletic fields and the back of the school this mm-hmm. isn't like the it's on the school grounds it's on the school grounds and you know when you come on school grounds there's periodic uh street lights yeah. or, or, or uh, they're not yeah. street lights if there's no street but you know what i mean i'm always impressed with how 
committed to the bit. Forensic Files says they literally go to a concrete factory that makes these exact molds, right. and you see them. And I'm like, if I were Forensic Files, I'd be like, you know, concrete, and then just go on. But they, <laughs> they literally took the time well, to go and film that. Because you obviously weren't listening, they were saying that when they make these parking bumpers, that the 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 filling, the rocks, and the mm-hmm. concrete and stuff inside basically makes a specific pattern that's specific can, can be, to, to that each bumper. one. So a slice of it is going to line up, with the next but it's bump. not going to line up with anything else right. because of the rocks and the debris inside the I, bumper. I, I get the concept. I, I feel like they didn't have to go all the way to oh, that concrete okay. pad. Well, and I yeah. feel like that's just the kind of quality programming and they expect. I thought it was interesting. So there. So the piece is lined up. The piece... <laughs> All that to say. Very funny. Oh, McMahon's got jokes tonight. Oh, they lined up. Yes, the slices of cake lined up. Okay. We then go down this rabbit hole. I don't know why they do it. Monroe is trying to lift a fingerprint from the cement, and the cement is very porous and uneven. And we go down a four-minute thing showing us how he has to go through all of these different jumps, through all these hoops. He finally gets a fingerprint, it's and smudged. it's unusable, and it doesn't contribute to the case at all. But I... Trying to be sciencey. I think that Monroe was like, "Watch what I did here," and it's like, "But you know, <laughs> it didn't." Sciencey. He's like, "But look, I, I figured out how to do it." And you know how they did? Super glue. Super glue. Super but glue then humidity. they had to use. Yeah. Then they had to use Sudan black dye, and I was like, uh, "That's racist." And uh. oh, Jesus. But it's still important that they've discovered that the concrete found was there. It shows a, it was a crime of opportunity. The guy saw that in the distance, and he's like, oh, I'll kill her with this. It wasn't because, premeditated. Because if, if this is not, again, if this is not being made clear, where the actual body was, was uh, a distance feet. from where those pieces of concrete right. were. So th- whoever killed her... Looked up and saw, saw the concrete, went over, over, got grid. the concrete, and brought it back. Because he strangled her, and I think that she was probably, he's like, she's I don't think she's dead. Whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So. A year goes by and there's nothing. So the local news runs a story again saying, if you've got any leads on this, please call us. And they do. A guy calls in. He says, they live in an apartment right right up the street from the high school. You can no, see no, it in no. the background. No, 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 Kevin. It's not right up the street. It's adjacent. When, it is. When they back up the camera uh-huh. for a wide shot, yeah. you see the building. Okay, so they're right there. It He's, is right there. He says, my roommate came back the night of this murder and he had uh, his clothes were all stained, and he uh, and then the next day he burned his clothes. And the reenactment, the informant has a neck tattoo. I tried to see what it said, but it was really hard it's to read. It's a neck tattoo. What does it matter? I don't it's know. It's a neck tattoo. But it's a neck funny. too. It was yeah. funky. Um, it was something like Poker Boy or oh, it was there funky. You go. So we. I learned- want to go back to this just really quick. Well, we haven't left it yet, but. So you're sitting in your house, smoking cigarettes, drinking beer, watching TV, and your roommate walks in covered with blood. Right. Neck tattoo. I'm no snitch. (laughs) But, (laughs) see, I guess I just think differently because in my mind, I'm like, somehow this is going to come back on me. Yeah. yeah, I am a snitch. I will tell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because I'm not going to get, I'm not going down for something I didn't do. I'm the first person to stand up and say, you know, if you I walk did into, that. If you walked into a room bloody and Frank was there and you said it's nothing, Frank would keep his mouth shut. He wouldn't call the police. Yeah, right. <laughs> Frank would be like 911 as he that locked would drop so in the bathroom. Yeah, no, We no, learned no. this guy's name is Mark Jarman. He's a 28-year-old unemployed construction worker. He burned his clothes the next day. Tests reveal that he has the same blood type as the saliva that was left on the victim. 
But more importantly, they take pictures of his teeth oh and they were able to line God. those up with the bite marks on the victim. It's a perfect match. This man has got a set of it, his gums are inflamed. Yeah. It looks like the teeth are going to just fall out of his mm, head. It's funky. They're, all fi- they're brown on the end. Oh, the re-en- reenactment Jarman did not look like real life Jarman. No, that's <laughs> but but Dorothy was so spot on. I'll let the other two slide. Oh, I don't care. So the cops had found a shopping list in the schoolyard the day that they discovered Dorothy, and it has Jarman's fingerprints on it, showing that he was in the schoolyard at some point around the time of the murder. So initially, he denies proved he was there. He was in the park. He was in the area at the time of the murder because his fingerprint was on the shopping shopping list. list. Because when he was arrested, he said he went through her. He tried to rob her. Well, he said initially that they they he bumped into her and they didn't talk to her at all in the bar. He was walking home from the bar. He passed her. They started Had chatting. Sex. Consensual sex. Because then she Dorothy, was covered with bites. And she was stripped naked. But then he said they had consensual sex. Then Dorothy said she was going to tell her husband, which made no sense. So then he killed her, strangled her. Then he hit her with the concrete block. Then he went through her purse and scattered her belongings to, to make, make it, it look, look like, like a, a robbery. Crime. Yes, But they didn't think that his story made it, there was no way it was consensual sex and anything else but here comes the good part when i saw this i was like jack's gonna like this episode so what do, what do we have for this one blood spatter evidence oh so oh. they uh blood concrete block weighing as much remember yeah. dexter the whole basis for the show aside from the fact that he was a serial killer uh-huh. was that he was a blood spatter expert. expert the man could completely reconstruct a crime scene from blood spatter right because it's scientifically going to always be the same right okay so the blood spatter from this assault should have been should have flown carried 10 to 12 feet this is sergeant daniel rain he's a forensic analysis the pictures of the evidence actually showed that the contents of her purse had been strewn around at some location in a position where they were exposed to the bloodletting. So Shirley's belongings that were 10, 15, 20 feet away from her had blood spatter on them. And he sentenced to life in prison with a chance for parole after 25 years. Here's their daughter, Janet. One last time, we see her walking out into the cemetery in the snow, and I have to imagine that sometime in July. And this is her one last time. He took my mother. I was 14 years old. It's it's almost half my life. You know, I've been without her now. And you can't... I don't know how I'm ever supposed to forgive somebody for doing such a terrible thing to me. There isn't a punishment severe enough that we can give this guy for taking something like that from us. Not a day goes by when she doesn't come into my mind. I just think about what it would have been like if she was still here. I miss her. And weird her phrasing was, I just can't forgive somebody who would do something like that to me. Not to well, my mom, to know, me. Yeah, because but I, I, I don't think I could forgive him either. But you, there were two other daughters in yeah, the pictures. There they were two other daughters, it. but they were older, yeah. So you found out where he has been. I thought well, he might be out by now. Well, the, int- the, the odd thing is 
in my in my research, researching. Uh, There's nothing, not a lot for this. There, nothing came up. Basically, nothing came up. The only thing that did come up was that Jarbeau is in prison. He's serving the day. He has found God. And art. And art. <laughs> and he has a cat. So apparently this prison is using all of these things for rehabilitation. Just uh, one more argument. The cats are the devil's familiar. <laughs> not stop. But, but uh, he apparently... Rehabilitation has worked for, according to this little thing, this article. The the rehabilitation has worked for him. He does repair work and he does maintenance for the for the church and the chaplain. He is active in the church in the prison and he does a lot with art teaching, oh. teaching the other pa- uh, patients, the inmates. other inmates, that their artwork can be a way to make money and, and to it's a therapy, a, a constructive uh, outlet, mm-hmm. and it's a, a trade and all of the good things that come with making art. Right. So he's in also- prison. He is rehabilitated and is trying to become a good person. Well, the, the other point was that he is now eligible for parole, and oh. some people have been advocating for his early release, and he has not. He is not. He seems to be content in prison, and it seems to be, you know, some people do well in prison. Well, he's, you know? eligible, for, he's eligible to go forward to ask for these things. But he hasn't tried he to. he hasn't. Yeah, which but is, he's been eligible for for parole for eight years now. Oh, eight years. Yep. I didn't realize the date so of the anyway, article. Yeah. So that's that's uh that's another one and that it's, was a visit to Winnipeg. And, and I don't think I'll ever go it's there. It's just this it's just this randomness of he saw her in the bar. Yeah. He saw her walking across the field. And just snapped. He, it, what for whatever reason, for whatever yeah. for whatever happened cuz you know and and it just it just I Do you think mm. you'll ever go to Winnipeg? I would. I uh-huh. want to go to Canada. I would okay. like to go up there for the. I'd like to go to I'd Quebec like... City for the snow festival. Oh, you know, so it's way like, up there. Yeah, I'd want to go there for something it's like, like that. Cleveland, but they speak French. Where they speak French? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's just like France. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's Cleveland, Cleveland, and they, they speak, speak French. French. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, all that. Blah, yes, blah, blah, blah. and all that stuff. And, and au revoir. Good night. I'm hoping, obviously.